The following audio content is a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org. My name is uh, Dr. Mark Brewer, and it is such an honor to be able to be here tonight and to share in this very special celebration of the next chapter of this great church, a hundred years old and your 10th senior pastor, and I think the greatest things are in front of you. There's a lot that goes on at a service like this, and in a few moments, there's going to be as the Presbytery, and as I come and share from the Presbytery of the Pacific with the Seattle Presbytery, and we're part of a connectional system, and we come to share together. At the end of this installation service, I believe that the Lord will look at George differently and you differently than when this began. One of the great joys in the ministry, there's some things that are just a lot of fun to do. Just like a communion service, giving the sacrament, a baptism is such a joy. Doing weddings. But it's always great because inevitably after some wedding you'll be out back and the, the groom will say, you know, I don't feel married. And I just say, tough. <laughs> you are. And likewise, at the end of this service, you might say, George is our leader. And George might be saying, I'm leading a great ministry like this. And the answer is, yes, you are. If you've ever been to a Catholic ordination, and you're not allowed, but I snuck in one time. And, and you see these uh, men laying on their faces in the sign of a cross down on the floor, taking their three vows, the vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. That they will only be married to Christ, that they will never own anything, and they will go wherever the church sends them. And even though I disagree with those vows, it is so impressive to see the commitment behind that. My time with you tonight is a chance to share the vows that you are about to take when the representative of the Presbytery asks you as a congregation of supporting this man as your next leader. There is a lot of joys and challenges This morning we looked at Joshua, and probably in the next hour we'll go back to Joshua, but do a little quarterback option this evening at this special service. We're looking at great transitions. Certainly Moshe to Joshua, Moses to Joshua, David to Solomon, Elijah to Elisha, certainly the risen Christ to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations. But tonight I take a look at one of the greatest church leaders. And church planters in all time. The Apostle Paul. And before his execution on death row, his letter and his admonition to Timothy. And University Press, you have been known for a hundred years of great men and women faithfully slugging it out for Christ here in Seattle. Trying to take this whole city for Christ. And as you stand upon the foundation of what they have done. And likewise as George comes and takes the baton of the next senior shepherd of this congregation. I think the Apostle Paul has three real simple words which he would say to all of us. Stay faithful, keep focused, and be fruitful. Stay faithful, he will say to Timothy, and you find faithful men and women. Your job is not to watch George do the ministry. His job is here to lay down the track for you to do the ministry. That's why a servant of the minister in word is someone who equips you because the Holy Spirit has wired you much better at this ministry than we who as pastors are. That's how God has given that. And not only the faithfulness, but the sense of being focused. Don't get sidetracked. 
I think the number one challenge for following Christ in these wild times is keeping on mission. It is so easy to take the bait and get off of what we're all about. And above all, be fruitful. And fruitful isn't about us pushing out fruit, but of the Spirit of God. Are you growing in your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness as you share in life together? Are you bearing that kind of fruit, not in each other's lives, but even in George's and Anne's life and the kid's life, as he bears that in yours? You know, transition is always a lot of change. There's sadness of letting go of other eras. And there's all an excitement of what's going on. But it's about letting Christ lead. If you have your Bible, if you turn with me over to the book of Philippians and to the second chapter. It's on page 966 in your pew Bible. Paul gives this admonition to Timothy. For those of you that were not here this morning, I've uh, had the privilege in my life with my great wife, Carolyn, of having led four large congregations, two of them which we started. And every time you come and every time you go, there's a difference. I, it's always hard to tell them how you're leaving. I remember one of the churches that I said, uh, the same Jesus who led me here is leading me away. And the choir stood and started singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> Paul has a different angle on this. In the second chapter in verse 1, he says, You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me through many witnesses, you entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Share in sufferings like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And in the case of an athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. It is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. and The Lord himself will give you understanding in all these things. First thing that he says is, first of all, stay faithful. Interesting word. Be strong in the strength of the Lord. The word that he uses there... And dunamu, dunamas is normally used for the word of power. We get the word dynamite from. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, the salvation, Paul uses. The word Greek word dunamas. Here this is endunamu. It's this idea of power within. And the power within for the Apostle Paul in University Press is God gives to each of you the ministries that you have. Not just to do a raiding party on Seattle, scalping people for Jesus and hiding back here. But going out into the city is the way you are and connecting with other churches in the Presbytery and other stepping across racial and denominational lines. And to make a great city for Christ is to congregationalize it, not just evangelize it. And nobody, no individual church can do it on its own. It takes the whole church to reach the whole city. Seattle is a city that is so strategic and like Los Angeles. If our desire is to help make them great cities for Christ, not only do churches need to work together, but individually it's how the members work together. You are called the very members of the body of Christ. The Greek word mele. It's too bad that that word got hijacked. We think of membership in a political party or membership in a country club or a member of the choir. But the word really means organ. You are a liver, a lung, a heart, and I in the body of Christ. If I was up front here and I was 
biting my fingernails because I was nervous speaking with you at this very special service, you'd think, well, that's kind of crude, but understandable. If I would have clipped my fingernails last week so I could have taken them out and start to chew them when I'm nervous, you would be disgusted by that. Why? They're my fingernails. Because anything that leaves the body becomes vulgar. When you find a hair in your salad that has more protein than anything else in that, you're grossed out by it. And we'll just stop with the analogies there. But that feeling of something disconnected. My wife, Carolyn, is an occupational therapist. And one of the things of dealing with trauma of amputation, if someone has ever seen a limb amputated, even if they successfully reattach it, there's this weirdness that you saw it laying there one time. For those of you that are part of University Press, and you're not involved in the men's and the women's and the students or the small group ministries, or if by chance you're just kind of floating out there, I think Christ has that same emotional feeling as if you see an amputated limb. You were made to be a part of the body of Christ. And likewise, the important thing that George is called to do is to help to connect you together, to be connecting tissue in the body of Christ. Because that's where the real joy in your life is when the Lord finally releases. He releases the power of the Holy Spirit, not so we can sit in the corner and have our own kumbaya liver shiver. He releases the power of the Holy Spirit for ministry. And it's when you step out there is when God starts to give that. So stay faithful. The things that you have heard in the presence of many, pass it on to other faithful men and women. Those who are faithful, set aside. Very often we are tested and tempted and God, in some reason, He loves this mess called life. He loves us so much that He would let His Son come and to redeem us and to reclaim us. And there is no place in the cosmos, no place, that Christ cannot say rightfully, this is mine. That includes me and that includes you. And the great joy is He reclaims us to use us. And He puts us into the ministry and sometimes we quit so short of the goal. I don't know if it's possible to talk God out of the very best. I keep wondering about this as I go through life. I told the uh, hours this morning, one of the things I love about aging, other than looking and feeling horrible, <laughs> is you get to see how true the Word of God is. And isn't that true as you watch in lives? Some people, they just keep getting hammered and smacked, and yet they continue on and bearing fruit in their life, not souring and embittering. I'll tell you why. It's because they have a walk with the Lord. Other people, they can't find a parking space or they break their fingernail and they have a theological crisis. And they wonder, how can there be a God of love? Faithfulness <laughs> includes us taking and passing that on to others. You fight one round longer than the other person is how you win in boxing. Even if you can't win that race, you make the person in front of you set a world record. It's all about moving and pushing ahead and letting the Lord. Being raised in Colorado, many of the stories of all the mines there, a true story down in Telluride, Colorado, one of the great gold mines, the gentleman that had worked it for 31 years sold it because he really couldn't find enough. He sold it 10 feet in front of the main ore vein that they found. He had worked 31 years in this stinking mine, sold to somebody else. They went in 10 more feet and became rich. Sometimes in our lives and in our ministries, and sometimes we're doing it in our life in university press, that 
you go and you say, you know, I'm going to quit. And I wonder, sometimes we get the ball all the way down to the goal line and we say, coach, take us out. God, it hurts. And I think the Lord does say, all right, come on out. But you should have seen what I was going to do with you. And I think as you get ready, as you and I, to follow Christ in the year 2009 coming up, in this crazy world, in this economy, with the moral anarchy we've got around us, then very often we're going to be put to the test. You stay faithful. And you keep focused. You keep focused and listen. And above all, in these relationships with each other. I had a friend, Archbishop Chaput, in Denver, Colorado, I used to meet with. And I asked him one time, because Archbishop Chaput is such a mouthful, I said, can I call you Archie? And uh, he said, no. Uh, but he's laughing. He was telling me about one of the nuns and one of their orders there when they let the boys come over to the girls. They have the boys' school get together with the girls. And as they had a little dance, this one nun used to walk around with this yardstick. And if the boys and girls were dancing too close, she'd put it between them and say, leave room for the Holy Spirit. Leave room. <laughs> But you know what? She was right. It's one thing to have spirit-filled people. It's another thing to have spirit-filled relationships. And I believe, University Press, that what the Apostle Paul says to you as you follow this man, is that you have the Holy Spirit, not just in your life, but in your very relationships. And when that happens, how you reach a city like Seattle, or like in Los Angeles, and I tell you, both these cities are tough. They're hardly Christian cities yet. And as I always told the earlier hours that half of our people are involved in the entertainment industry, so you have to dig deep to hit shallow. And <laughs> very, but very creative people, very creative. But you know what the real power of how do you reach a place like Seattle? You go and you take care of the poor and those on the streets. You don't have homeless and you care for the students and you reach out and for the elderly and you love people and reach out. And what is the most attractive thing I think I've found in the world so far to the pagans, to the heathens out there, is a man or woman in love with Christ, loving other Christians. They don't understand it, but they're totally attracted to it. And as we go into the restaurants, into the bars into the coffee shops and as you love on them as you love each other God takes us to the next level abstain and he told him and sustain Timothy University Press says you're about ready to have a next great pastor and God has blessed you with a man with not only an incredible mind as I was telling you early hours he has a V8 under the hood here but he's got a great heart and incredible wife as Anne and his old kids and his love I can tell you you tell a pastor what they're like when they are off stage. And I can tell you, this man walks with Christ. He's hardly sinless. I want to point that out. <laughs> That's why he came up here. But anyway, <laughs> he is certainly somebody who has his eye on the Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul was not infallible. But you know what? The people trusted that the Spirit of God was blowing in him. And I think you're going to find out how trustworthy this man is. And he needs to hear from you. We hear, he hears this voice of God through the community. Just like the community hears through the pastor, through the shepherd, in this dance together. The temptation is obviously to compromise and to get unfocused and get off point. 
It's not to be untouched by the world. You know how you keep clean from the world? Not by avoiding it. It's by going out in contact and just not getting entangled in it. We abstain from the silly, petty games and the goals of the voyage of the damned, of a world that is out of control going somewhere else. You don't get caught into that. But you have to come alongside of them and love them. God has no problems on the freeway of getting us into glory. When the time's ready, we will go. But until then, He has you and I called to go into this city of Seattle and to help make a difference as you already have in so many ways. Stay faithful. You find other faithful men and women. How many people do you think when the time comes and they stand over your grave, how many people are going to say they poured, this man, this woman poured their life into me? I don't think you should have buckets because I don't think you can do that. But if you shoot to have three to five people right now in your sphere of influence that you were discipling and letting George help guide and lead in this process, I think not only will you have a power released in your life, but I think that your life will be worth living. As you, we move ahead and be able to reach out and sustain each other in the sense of faith, when your faith gets weak, you write on theirs. When their faith gets beat up and life just smacks them, you let them lean on your faith. That's how God conquered the Roman Empire, out of love. Not out of yelling and screaming. And I always like to remind churches, and particularly during the NFL season, when you hold up John 3.16, only the Christians know what that means. <laughs> anyway, so as we move ahead in deep ways of evangelizing, that God calls us to touch and to love and to stay focused and to be able in this world, above all, to keep fruitful. You do the work of an evangelist, he said. It's interesting that Paul said, a soldier has one mission. When you get sent and stationed, those of you who have been in the military, you don't write back and say, well, I really don't like the quarters or that. I don't know if I'm going to really be able to get a job. You're not there forever. You're there to do the mission. It is somebody who is here. When somebody is competing, they keep their eye on the prize. Therefore, I... Run, Paul said, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting, forgetting, that means letting go. Not for doing a home lobotomy, but forgetting whatever you've done for the last hundred years and you leave it in the Lord's hands and reaching forward to what lies ahead. And this will separate the adults from the children spiritually. Those that are able to say, God, do a new work in us. And how God has prepared a great man to guide and to lead you in this way with the incredible staff that you already have here. You have so much talent around here. Sitting and listening to the choir and listening to tonight's choir up here as well as the morning, I honestly have worship envy. But anyway, <laughs> it's not about just coming together. People ask, how many people do you have coming to your church? That's not the question. That's the question, how many are coming? How many are you sending out? That's what God cares about. He doesn't care how many people have avoided the fight. How many people have come in here and feel good about themselves. He wants to know how many people out here are being touched. And I believe you have a man right here that if you pray for him, and I remind you, bad preaching is God's judgment on a prayerless church. I just want to remind you. It's not his fault. It's your fault. Yeah, my church doesn't buy it either, but this ability to harvest. The Apostle Paul, as he told Timothy, this is his death row letter. He knows he's about to be executed. We don't know from scripture, but we know from tradition that Nero, who will finally get him and think he can crush these Christians in the beginning of this nonsense movement by getting rid of the leadership, 
Saul of Tarsus, because he was born a Roman citizen as well as born a Jew of Jews, taught by Gamaliel, one of the Jewish Aristotles of the first century. He could not be crucified, as Nero will crucify Peter, but he would be beheaded. And as he would walk and stand before Nero, and Nero said, I will destroy you and the Nazarene within my life. And as Paul would go, and with a flash of a sword, stand before the Lord. He who had walked those roads and been beaten and lied about and hunted down, had had joys and sorrows, who had been alone and rejected and abandoned, that someday would come as all the imperial, imperial power of Rome sitting in Nero said, I will destroy your memory. As they say, the day would come when we call our sons Paul and our dogs Nero. What will the world say of you? What will God say of this man that has been loaned to you? And what will God say to you of this congregation that has been loaned? As they say, work like you don't need the money. Love like you've never been hurt. Dance like nobody's watching. Act like you're going to live forever. Because you are. And love like you're totally forgiven. Because God has given that to you. University Press. I cannot wait to see the great things that God is going to do. Building on a stunning hundred years. But if Christ doesn't return in our lifetime, I don't think we can even sniff what God is planting. All University Presbyterian Church online audio is available on both CD and cassette. If you would like to support the mission of UPC by ordering copies of sermons or classes, please visit www.upc.org forward slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.